Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the You Mad Bro podcast, and I warn you of mature content ahead. This show aims to tackle controversial topics going on in the world on a week-to-week basis. The platform of this program is opinionated and occasionally supported by examples and facts, but does not ever aim to be definite. That being said, the views offered by our hosts and guests are not intended to offend or hurt the feelings of any person, no matter their race, gender, sexual orientation, political viewpoint, etc., They only serve as catalysts for poor attempts at humor and maybe a different way of thinking. If you're such an individual that is easily offended or cannot handle your own viewpoints being challenged, you've been adequately warned to not participate. If you're still with us, then please stand, kneel, or lay down. Just be sure to remove your ball caps for the national anthem. What? You mad, bro? Settle down, settle down. Nash, just guess you're embarrassing me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> we are back after a two-week furlough, I guess. Furlough is a good word? No, furlough is not an appropriate word right now. Uh, we took a two-week break vacation. Me and Nash went down to Nashville to take care of some business. Sabbatical, that's what I was looking for. But we are back this week because a lot of stuff has been going down in the news. We need a little bit of help talking about it, so we are joined by the Younger Half Podcast by Aton and Josh. So, gentlemen, Aton, how are you doing? I'm so glad you guys are on the show. Um, introduce yourselves, your show, and what brings you here. What's up, guys? Um, so, I'm Aton. I'm the host and with Josh of the Younger Half Podcast. And, yeah, we were really just talking about the idea floating around the idea of having a podcast and we really just decide to go for it and we talk about a whole lot of range of issues like this um podcast and yeah we, um josh is going to introduce himself now yes yeah, so um i'm josh like Aton said it's a podcast is a good it's just an idea that came along i mean it was is a it's a good project keeps us busy um yeah, we on our our show we discuss just current events, just what everyone's talking about, stuff like that. Right. All right, and you guys are fourteen, correct? Yeah. Yeah. See, I find that absolutely amazing. I love that the, the like uh, how many? I mean, do a lot of people your age even have podcasts? Or are you kind of like this a uh, one in a million uh, kind of chance here? Yeah. I think think, yeah, I think we're we're pretty pretty rare. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know, but I love it. Guys, check them out. The Younger Half Podcast across all podcast platforms. They're a lot like Nash and I, just a lot younger. Um, so, oddly, oddly enough, I bet their content's way more mature. Right? Uh, oddly or, enough. I, I don't listen to everything. First thing I noticed when they listen to it, I was like, God, they don't swear. I'm like, Nash, we gotta got censor ourselves. I know. I'm going to try to be so clean and, and nice. But this is this is the You Mad Bro Podcast. Of course, You Mad Bro Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com with all the other shows, including The Daily Grind. Our event is coming up next week, Nash. You ready for that live stream? I'm ready for it. All Our right, Instagram is popping. We got a lot to talk about this week. Of course, uh, TikTok is suing the U.S. government. We are going to talk about everything going on Kenosha, Wisconsin. I didn't know what Kenosha was a real place until just last week. So, guys, let's just jump right into it. ByteDance and TikTok is suing the U.S. government over its August 6th executive order to ban the app. Now, Aton and Josh, you guys are both um, in high school or entering high school is tiktok huge around your friend circles like what do you guys think of tiktok yeah so all uh, i know it even in my house like my two sisters they're always on it you know it's always playing and yeah a lot of my friends do it i particularly don't use the app but i'm very familiar with it you know i have a lot of friends that do use it yeah i mean it's it's incredibly popular it's like it's turned into it's interesting to see how it how it became like one of the one of the leading leading platforms of, of social media now. So what do you, um, what do you guys think? Uh, like like uh, Aton said, I, I actually I don't use it either. But like my sister, she's always on it. Stuff <laughs> like that. So what do you guys yeah. think of the ban? The fact that like, the U.S. and Trump in particular wants it banned due to the whole um, the idea of you know the the data stealing, the Chinese government. Like, would you, would you guys care if TikTok's banned? I bet your sisters would probably care more. But um, <laughs> like, like, is it is it kind of like what are your initial thoughts? You think it's like, wow, this is kind of messed up. You kind of thinking, you know what? I can see this happening. I think it's something logical. I think that it 
like, it depends on the facts. You know, what the U.S. government is saying, we'll get into this, but they're saying that they're stealing um, children, really, and all the users' information, or they're taking that information and using it for with the Chinese government, you know, and they're, um, they have ties to the Chinese government. So if that is true, then I think, obviously, it should be banned. You know, if it's a security threat and it's mm-hmm. a concern, then, you know, it's the right thing to do. Right, definitely. No, I agree. That's pretty much what me and Nash brought up weeks ago when we first covered this. Intelligence is disturbing. (laughs) So, by that, at that age, if I knew what a server did, good lord. ByteDance claims that the order denies its due process under the Fifth Amendment and that the president hasn't cited proper justification for banning the app. So, Nash, I'm going to ask you because you're the most intelligent one on this call by far. Um, oh, is, is, we might have prodigies. Who knows, dude? Nash might as well be a dual major, right? For, for Christ's sake. Uh, Nash, is TikTok, because it's owns, it's not owned by a U.S. Comp- company, right? It's not, it's not owned by Americans. Is it protected under the Fifth Amendment, even though it does business in America? Um, it is if there's like sort of a, there's a division that is the U.S. version for it. So okay. it technically is because it does have a headquarters in the United States. Um, you get more specifically into this act. It's not under the Patriot Act. It's under, um, forget the specific name, but it's essentially about protecting U.S. international trade, specifically towards Chinese companies entering the U.S. Because uh, Trump created this, I think, last year. And it's like uh, Huawei or Wuhei. Huawei. Huh? Huawei. Huawei, yeah, Huawei was the big threat. Uh, you see that in a lot of uh, international things. The UK had to deal with it, um, sort of being put into their government and still going on. They sort of, you know, having to handle that because the more you allow a foreign government to sort of occupy infrastructure of your own government, there's definitely that threat that Atonso intelligently said with, you know, being able to harvest data. Um, I guess you want to go, I can speak a lot longer on this, but I guess we should move on to something a bit more interesting before I bore everybody. Well, let's, let's go to the actual complaint that uh, TikTok said. So TikTok on its website said, quote, over the past few years, people of all backgrounds have embraced the TikTok community. Today, 100 million Americans turn to TikTok for entertainment, inspiration, and connection. Countless creators rely on the platform to express their creativity, reach broad audiences, and generate income of uh, our more than 1,500 employees across the U.S. pour their hearts into building the platform every day with 10,000 more jobs planned in California, Texas, New York, Tennessee, Nash, Florida, Michigan, Ooh. Illinois, and Washington State. And many of the other, uh, many of the country's leading brands are on TikTok to connect with consumers more authentically and directly uh, than they can elsewhere. Uh, so yeah, that's a big thing for me. 10,000 jobs are c- planned and 1,500 jobs already. So that, those yeah, jobs could just no longer exist. That's a, that's a, definitely a big deal. What do you think, Josh? Um, I feel like I I think that they're you know just saying that to to um to uh, like have you have an insight into what into what like the the impact that that TikTok has. Meaning, so I feel like like my first my initial thought when you just read that when you just read that um fact is like like so what. If I understand that they're they're having that many jobs, but if they're a security threat, then like ten thousand jobs or a security threat to China. Yeah, like exactly. Because if it if it, great, they're making jobs, but if they're stealing their information or selling these whatever or working with the Chinese government, then the ten thousand jobs doesn't mean anything, you know. God, Colby. Yeah, that, I love that, it. I love it. It's so what. <laughs> That's a, it's a big thing, too, because they just have 10,000 projected. Like, 1,500 isn't a small number. It's a lot of people to employ. But 10,000 projected, that's, I mean. Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely a lot. I agree. Yeah, it is a lot. I would, I would feel awful for the people who lost their jobs and, and so on and so forth, everything like that. But, I mean, I'm not, uh, Itan is being a little more cold-hearted than I. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, I, I still, like, I, I feel for those people and stuff, but. I just feel like if they're if it's a security threat, then you have to weigh your options. Oh no, definitely. You both are making really good points. I just want to highlight that's ten thousand projected. 
that's not 10,000 people that are employed. That's yeah. in the years to come. They expect to hire based off of their growth, 10,000 more people. So right now they have 1,500, you said? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think in their, in their main headquarters, I don't know where it is, but I know it's in obviously. I think it's in California. California makes sense. Um, <laughs> so like that, that was their whole, you know, we're a very important part of culture, kind of this like, hey, feel bad for us statement. Then they released their other statement saying like, hey, the administration has ignored the great length that TikTok has gone in order to demonstrate their commitment to serving the U.S. market, right? And they say, quote, the key personnel responsible for TikTok, including its CEO, uh, global chief security officer, and general counsel are all Americans based in the United States and therefore not subject to Chinese law. U.S. content moderation uh, is likewise led by a U.S.-based team and operates independently from China. And as noted above, the TikTok application store stores U.S. user data on servers located in the United States and Singapore. So their main argument is like, hey, we don't give data to China. We don't have to give data to China. It's all stored in the U.S. And like I, this way I said weeks back, you can check in the archives, biggestpodcastsolutions.com, that if they can prove that it is not going into the hands of China, it should stay. But if they can't, then it should go. And it sounds like the Trump administration and the government isn't even looking into that possibility. They just want to get rid of it. It's sort of like that's the leading expectation, but they haven't even stated that directly to happen. Because if you are doing business in the U.S. and you're storing data, you have to be most of the time you have to be HIPAA compliant, whereas essentially you can't just take someone's data without them acknowledging that you're doing it. Right. Like when you hit the terms of service on Amazon or Facebook or whatever right. you use, odds are it's going to say, hey, we're going to store your data to give you content that you like. We're going to keep right. holding on to your email and all that. But a lot of them, they can't just take you know, your phone number if they find it. You have to willingly give it to them, surrender it to them, if you will. But uh, that's sort of what, what really gets to me, which is kind of, I think, a very good point, is that they don't use like Chinese, they're not marketing Chinese products. I think it's a big thing for me. I mean, there's a lot more money to be had in user data for sure. So I could understand why you would just ignore it to you know, keep it on the down low. But still, not advertising Chinese products or software at all, I think is kind of a big indicator as to where it genuinely is in the u.s because if you're in the u.s doing it you don't want to get caught with this at all it's it's almost worse than sort of the red scare like mccarthyism <laughs> i don't i understand then what they're using for they're like what are they like okay cool you have my my uh, phone number nice like you know what i'm saying yeah what sorry but what um personal information or data going to the Chinese government that it's like enough to pose to pose a security threat that it would well, get banned. The biggest issue is that the, if it's in the hands of somebody in China, the laws in the US don't apply to them in any way. So if they have access to your email, they could, you know, catfish you with a fake email. Uh, I don't know. There was a big thing going on a year or two ago. I know like two people where it happened to them where they're getting fake texts from their bank. And if you reply to it, it would actually hack into your bank account. Wow. And sort of steal your data like that. So that is a big issue. Also, just any sort of sensitive documents or information like that. And it's not necessarily somebody that's immediately relevant, but it's like if somebody's kid, you know, has that, if their dad logged into their phone or whatever, their mom and their, you know, owner of so-and-so company that's a lot of very valuable information right you know like so the threat is not so much an immediate marketing sales type threat it's more of the chinese um, government could do with it literally whatever they wanted to because they're not they don't have to deal with the u.s law yeah but that's the biggest issue like an, an email can lead to a phone number and a phone number can lead to a credit card and a credit card right, can lead to right. your everything slow process your whole life yeah, right. exactly. That, that's sort of right. the biggest well, – that's where you get a national security threat because it could stem off into something else just because somebody's vaguely related or has some slight connection. Because if they get into your phone, well, then now they have access to all your all your contacts in your phone. Right, right. They have access to your emails yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, so literally everything else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Your whole life is on there. Right. What 
um what prevents other apps from doing this i feel like even i know tiktok is like tied with china or they started in china but i feel like any other app can have some tie with china somehow to get like data um shared or whatever leaked from this app or the service so you know like Hmm. i don't know what other what other um platforms the the executive order applied to but i'm i feel like isn't there other platforms that could do this it would depend definitely it would depend on the platform right because like google is banned in china you cannot use google facebook is banned in china twitter i'm pretty sure is banned in china they china has all their own social media and Uh, um apps like any american version we have of an app china also has that app that's owned by the government a big a big thing to, to keep in mind when you talk about Chinese uh, corporations is copyrights mean nothing. So if, if they if they like what you're doing, they can just steal it. <laughs> that's it's a, it's a great that's a great law right there. <laughs> well, it, it means their businesses are booming. <laughs> you know, it, so it, 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 that's 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 where you get a lot of like those like knockoffs, right? Exactly. That's exactly like, Um, uh, I know it's sort of a stereotypical thing to say, but it is because straight up, that's exactly what happens. There's uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the show, uh, uh, top gear. It's a car show. Um, it's canceled now, but they had an episode where they went to China and they spent about five minutes talking about all the fake stuff that they had bought in China. It was just a knockoff of some other product. Wow. That's crazy. It's literally everything the guy was wearing head to toe. And even the building he was standing in was like a fake knockoff Starbucks. And so like, it was just sort of, it's crazy how intellectual property has no limitations there or has no restrictions to who owns it. Yeah. So it's, you definitely want to be wary of doing business and having a being involved with a Chinese operated business or company, et cetera, et cetera. But my main thing is like they do deserve due process. Like TikTok, exactly. TikTok does deserve a fighting chance, um, which is which is a big part of their lawsuit. But it's it's very hard, if not impossible, to sue the president or the government in general. And the government is arguing that Trump's order to ban TikTok hinges on the International Emergency Economic Powers Act that allows the president to regulate international trade is limited cases where he or she has declared a national emergency over an extraordinary threat to the country. So what makes TikTok a national emergency? Essentially because Trump said so. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. When When it comes to executive orders, especially based around national security, you have a lot of leeway. The Patriot Act is the best example, and I think it was just renewed to have even greater extent last year. Yeah, but, yeah, they gave they gave yeah. Trump a lot more power, but you know that's that's all that's conversation with Democrats for another day. Um, but this one thing I I do want to close on this. I want to get you guys thoughts on. I don't think you know Trump's using the excuse as national emergency. Fine, but yeah, I remember before this whole COVID thing, he was in a very heated trade war with china right so i think this is kind of like a middle finger over to china saying hey you don't do business with us we're just going to completely cut off one of your top apps in our country and we're just uh-huh. gonna we're gonna cut off that flow we're gonna have our own and make the money all for ourselves josh what do you think yeah yeah i 100 mean, agree with you especially because um this is just my opinion about him especially it's because it's like trump you know what i'm saying <clears throat> like i don't know um, like also, uh, there's also some tension, like recently, even like the closing, I don't know the exact details, but like, then they close like a whole bunch of like consultations, like just, you know what I'm saying? So I feel like it was just another, like, like you just said, a shot back at China. Like, all right, fine. Then we're going to ban, uh, you know, th- this app that you get a lot of revenue from. Yeah. I no, think, exactly. I think, it's part of the, I think it's just part of the trade war. Um, and he wants to hide behind the cloak of it's for national security. We care about Americans, yada, 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 yada. <laughs> But he's using it as a bargaining chip to try and get a better deal. Um, which, you know, ashes politics. But, you know, unfortunately, we have to go through all this. All this, you know, politicians can't just say what he means or he or she means. They have to I, go I will say, ways. it is a very smart way by not saying what the actual problem is. Because there isn't anything for them to fix. Because the first thing that they did, super smart, 
was, you know, here are our servers. This is what our servers do. Because the United States and Europe have the most strict, the EU, have the most strict laws regarding servers. And so pretty much if you're compliant with those, you can do business anywhere in the world. So if most of them are in the United States or even for Singapore, that's pretty good. That's that's pretty secure to have your servers in those two places. Mm-hmm. Like there's not a lot of worry going on there. But now, you know, they don't really know exactly what needs to get fixed. You know what I mean? Because he hasn't said what the problem is. So he can come up with something that we're not even thinking about right now is the issue. Then they have to scramble to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. Buys a lot of time on his end without having to do anything. What a shock. All right. So we can can move on to the meat and potatoes of the episode. The rest of the episode is going to talk about what happens in Wisconsin with the police and Jacob Blake and the protests and riots thereafter. Oh, guys, this story has me all in so many different directions. I still don't really know what to think, but let's just go right into it. So a viral video that began circulating last Sunday shows the moment when Jacob Blake, a 29-year-old black man, was shot in the back by police at his neighbors as his neighbors and children watched. It is unclear what started the incident, which I think is very, very important to note that we don't really know how this started. Police in that part of the country in, the, in Wisconsin do not have body cams, so they don't really know what happened. There's a lot of rumor and innuendo going around. But the police say they respond to a, quote, domestic incident. But nearly half a dozen eyewitnesses say Blake was trying to break up a fight between two women, and police allegedly tries to tase him before they shot him. So Blake, um, as recording this, I believe is alive, but is in critical condition. Um, protests broke out Sunday night, last Sunday night. Uh, and last Monday, with demonstrators and police clashing violently, which we will also get into. Um, some people set fires and launched projectiles project at police who responded by firing tear gas. Many also vandalized cars, businesses, and government buildings. Um, so, guys, have you all seen, has everyone here seen the video, videos of this incident? Uh, yeah. I, I haven't, actually. You haven't? Really? Okay. I, I've read about it. I've description of it but i haven't seen the video now all right so it's fine it's got it's very graphic in nature yeah well like i have no need i have no desire to watch that that's fair that's fair i I cannot i cannot argue that you don't want to uh you don't want to poison the mind of the youth all right so we'll 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 just we'll describe the viral video then Um, (laughs) give you a play-by-play go give you a play-by-play espn's barely doing anything more we can do this on espn um, so in a 20-second video, which appears to be taken from across the street, at least four officers can be seen standing on a sidewalk next to an SUV with passerby just feet away. A man who has been since identified as 29-year-old Jacob Blake is seen walking on the front of the car with at least two officers follow him with their guns drawn while num- numerous people yell. When Blake opens the driver's side door of the car, one of the officers grabs the back of his shirt, firing multiple shots into his back. Witnesses scream and they watch what is unfolding before them. A total of seven shots can be heard in the video, but it's unclear how many officers, how many shots the officer fired. Um, he was shot seven back, seven back, seven times in the back. Uh, Blake's family has since said he is in stable condition. On Tuesday, his father told the Chicago Sun-Times that he is paralyzed from the waist down and doctors do not know yet if the injury is permanent. Um, so I will tell you guys, from actually watching the video, it was incredibly disturbing. And Josh, I, if you don't want to watch it, definitely do not watch it. Um, <laughs> it's very disturbing. You know, he does get shot seven times in the back, which is absurd. All right? it's yeah. From the initial video, it looks like this is just another unjustified, completely abusive power by police, a racial, um, a racial, racially motivated action against another black man. But there was another video that came out that happened minutes prior. Um, he was, Blake was on the ground trying to be detained uh, he fought the police, got off, reached around the car, resisting arrest, reached into the car. So from a policeman's perspective, you don't know what he's reaching for. You tried to arrest him. You tried to subdue him. You tried to get him arrested. He fought back. So the, I'm, not comf- I'm not comfortable saying the shooting was justified because seven times is a lot. So that seven yeah. times is 100% unjustified. 
But what, Nash, I'm going to ask you this. From seeing the other videos and knowing what we know, it's also good to know that this guy, Jacob Blake, has a record. Now, notably, like people started saying George Floyd had a previous record when in that circumstance, I think it's completely irrelevant. Whereas yeah. this one, Jacob well, Blake. Yeah, I don't think it was relevant for the. Sorry, you go. You it go. wasn't relevant for George Floyd. But this time, I think it's relevant because Jacob well, Blake had an outstanding warrant for his arrest. I, I, it's kind of hard for me to say if the police knew that at the time. Because um, if you take that out of the whole equation, resisting arrest is a big no-no um, to do. To speak on the seven shots, because that's something where uh, I think it gets a little iffy between everybody. And seven shots definitely is a lot. And my biggest concern with that is that it was at point blank range. Like mm -hmm. the, the cop was almost in the car. He was within the door length, you know, wow. uh, of the van as well when he was shooting him. Um, the thing about a handgun is you can, because most police, in fact, I'm pretty sure every police officer in the United States uses like a nine millimeter round. Um, it's not unheard of to keep walking after you've been hit once or twice with that. It, it takes a few to put somebody down like that. Unless of course you hit something vital immediately. Um, still seven is a lot, especially for in the back at point blank. That's an absurd amount <laughs> of lethal force to use. It is a very difficult situation. Cause I don't think that his record really plays anything into that. I think the biggest thing why they fired was because they tried to detain him. They tried to subdue him. They were ineffective. And then he went to his car and they don't know anything about what's going to happen after that. The second they're in the car. Um, for me, that's where it gets the most fishy because I don't know what he had in his car. I, you know, I don't want to speculate on what he had because that's sort of unfair to me or unfair to everybody else who hears this. Cause he could have literally anything in there. He could have just been trying to drive away, you know? So it is very difficult. I think it was too much force. I don't know. Do you know if the police officers have tasers there? They said they yeah, did. They, Go ahead, Josh. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, like um, like you said before, I think he, he attempted to tase him in the beginning, didn't he? Yeah, I heard that it was unsuccessful. How's that? What does that even mean? <laughs> uh, did, did, did they miss? miss? <laughs> no, no that, that's, another, that's another thing entirely, is that this none of this stuff is sort of... As foolproof as it seems. Like a taser, I'm a big guy. I'm like 260, 270. It'll probably take two or three tasers to take me down. So I'm massive. Yeah. Um, so it really going down. just depends. You never know what the circumstance. Same thing is with a handgun. You, you don't know how much it's going to take to put somebody down. I'm not saying that justifies seven rounds. But this is the thing seven rounds and he's we still don't know if the damage is going to be permanent now that's kind of the big takeaway with so people a lot like to talk about sort of handgun violence and gun violence a lot and that's sort of something that everybody needs to recognize is that it's not as immediate it's not as quick it's not as ridiculous as sort of media portrays it to be you really never know until you're sort of standing over somebody after it's affected them. Mm -hmm. But you don't know if a taser is going to, you know, you don't know if you're going to need 15 to take somebody down. Right. Depends, uh, depends where you hit him, how their size there. Exactly. There are tons of factors yeah. that have to deal with it. And it's incredibly hard to judge. Seven seems like a lot to me. Definitely. Especially when you're that close. It is. Yeah. That to me is, is, Impossible to dispute. Seven times is an absurd number. So in that case, it's definitely not justified. But I'm trying to put myself in the position of that officer, right? Think of think of how hard it is to be an officer right now. The past few months, you know, all these protests, violent and peaceful, people are out in the streets chanting, all cops are bastards. They're outside people's houses at night screaming, wake up, wake up, wake up, mother, mother effer, wake up. Right. So 
the media is portraying you as the villain. Society itself is portraying you as a villain. They want to defund the police. They want to abolish the police. The police are not seen in a good eye right now. So as an officer, that has to be incredibly traumatizing, incredibly difficult to do your job effectively. And let's let's even let's even give him the benefit of doubt. Say, because he was Blake was in his own car. Let's say the cops showed up, ran the plates, saw this guy had a record, and that record was also for uh, sexual assault and violence against police officers. Right? He, you can't say he did or didn't. So that's speculative. But for my circumstance, let's say he did. Right? So the cop is in a mindset of, okay, this guy is dangerous. He needs to be subdued. Plus, with all that going on in your mind, it doesn't surprise me that he would shoot him in general. Especially because you're going into the car. You don't know what's going on. Now, does that. And he's resisted arrest. And he's resisted arrest. Now, does that justify it? I'm not comfortable saying yes because you shot him seven times. But I'm also not comfortable saying he shouldn't have shot him. Josh, uh, Aiden, what do you think? Well, I don't know. I just think that it, based on the video, after we don't know if he was tased or not, not confirmed, but let's say he was tased. And once he got into the car, the first thing that they did was think of shoot him. I think they had four officers on him, and they're trained in tackling. I just feel like they could pull him out easier. You know, I just felt like they had more manpower yeah. than he does. I don't know how yeah. much he weighs or how sorry, but like I don't know how much he weighs or how strong he is. But I feel like in the video I saw like there's four, or even maybe some in the background officers. You know, I feel like they could have just jumped in or tackled him easier. You know. Yeah, but I feel like a few things. I I agree with um a lot what you said before, William is like that. I don't I don't think it was necessarily justified, but I think you really need to take into account the officer's perspective, taking everything going on. Like William said, the police to be an officer right now, to sign up to be a police officer right now, you'd have to be out of your mind. I mean, police officer, like the NYPD, like a while ago, a while back, asked their officers to hold off on retirement because so many people don't want to be officers right now. Mm. Um, so I just think that you also have to take into account that, you know, the officer is also thinking about himself. Mm. He has a, like, I, from what I've heard, he was reaching into his car, and they don't see anything. So I'm, and again, I'm no way, shape, or form am I saying that it's justified. I, I don't think it was justified, but I'm just saying you have to still take into account what the officers think. You know, he he he's taking into account his life. He's about to be at risk. He doesn't know what he's grabbing. He doesn't know what he's. He can't see what he's going into his car. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a really good point to make too. It's kind of like uh, when you're watching like football and the quarterback like throws to a receiver that isn't open at all. And you can see another receiver on the other side of the field. that's totally open. You're like, what? that was a stupid, that was the dumbest thing ever. Why did you throw to that guy? Because there is a matter of uh, tunnel vision that you have there. You know, you don't know exactly what the quarterback could see. You don't know if there's a defender in the way, if there's another player in the way, so he couldn't see that open receiver. It's kind of the same mm -hmm. scenario there, whereas they may not have been thinking as openly as every observer was because we were seeing the video from a vantage point, you know, that was on the second floor. It looked like the second floor of a building, so we could see sort of everything going on it's a lot easier for us to make a rational decision in that scenario. But then again, the police should sort of be trained um, in how to handle that. Like I, I go with, uh, I'm from Tennessee. And so when people, my friends visit, we often go shooting and some of them, you know, aren't a fan of guns and that's fine. I encourage them to do it because at the end of the day, it's going to be safe because everybody there knows what they're doing. We're going to be very legal about it. You're going to be very responsible about it. Mm -hmm. And you're going to leave knowing more about it than you did starting off. You're going to have a better sort of understanding of if that scenario happened to you, if somebody with a gun, you know, came to where you are, you would know how to handle it. You wouldn't, you'd be a little bit more desensitized towards somebody shooting a gun just because that can force you into instincts and your instincts aren't always right. Like this situation seems more like instinct driven. That officer just unloaded seven rounds immediately before he could sort of step back and do really what was best. They could have blocked this car off, you know, 
yeah. he was going for his car. That was pretty obvious. They could have blocked that off. There were three other guys. There was one on his back. And that's right. sort of the training that police should have and should be going through. And here it kind of, it's kind of iffy, the whole thing. That's that's really sort of the big gray area. There's, yeah, exactly. there's a lot of gray areas. Like George Floyd was so easily one way, like none of that should have ever happened, period, no matter what. Like, Beyonce Taylor, another one, never should have happened. Ahmaud Arbery, another one, never should have happened. This one isn't like that for me. This one's very murky waters. And even going up to what led up to the call. So there's very little information about what actually happened beforehand. But last Monday, Madison 365 reported that it had obtained audio from the call first dispatching police to the scene. In that recording, the caller said Blake was not supposed to be at her house, that he had taken her keys and refused to give them back. About a minute into the call, the dispatcher said that Blake was leaving and that the person who called in the complaint had hung up. Roughly five minutes after initial call, police said shots had been fired. So it's it's potentially that, you know, he was, he was, um, that's what I'm looking for, Nash. Uh, not invading. Trespassing. Is invading the home. <laughs> he's invading my home. He's invading my public space, my private space, my safe space. <laughs> right. So, so like the, the, it seems like to this call, they were going for him as opposed to other people saying he was, I witnessed saying he was at a break up a fight. So we don't know. We don't know if they knew he had a prior record. They don't, we just don't know. We don't know if he like, there's rumors right. saying that he had a knife. They're saying he didn't have a knife again. We don't know, but that's the situation of the actual of the actual shooting. You can make up your own decision if it's justified or not. Please let us know in the comments in biggestpodcastsolutions.com uh, and ambiguous. Uh, you mad real part on Instagram. We're making posts about this throughout the week. But now let's go on to the aftermath in the riots. Now, to be clear, there was a lot of rioting, a lot of vandalism, and a lot of violence in these next few days. But it's also important to announce that there were peaceful protests as well. Now, I personally think there were more violence than protests, at least that was covered, which what I've seen. But it is important to notice that there were both, mainly during the day before the curfew was enacted. It was mostly peaceful. And as soon as the curfew went into effect and the cops showed up, it got violent immediately. So almost immediately after the incident, a crowd started to gather at the place where Blake was shot. Videos uploaded to social media show protesters yelling at the police. Fires were set in the streets, and some police cars were damaged. According to local reports, uh, city vehicles were set on fire, um, along uh, as was a used car dealership. A whole dealership was up in flames, and local businesses were vandalized, looted, and burned to the ground. Several reports and social media posts also claim that some individuals threw bricks, Molotov cocktails, and other projectiles at police. There's one video that shows a police officer being knocked unconscious after being struck in the head by a brick. After a while, the demonstrators started marching, with hundreds reportedly congregating and chanting outside the Kenosha County Public Safety Building around 10 p.m. the same night. Around the same time, the city declared a state of emergency and instituted a curfew until 7 a.m. the following day. A public safety alert also suggested that 24-hour businesses closed due to, quote, no, due to numerous armed robberies and shots fired calls. Uh, protesters at the public safety building were met with, with police in riot gear armed with rubber bullets. The officers reportedly tried to push them back and eventually fired tear gas to disperse. Some people targeted garbage trucks that had been used to block traffic, breaking their windows and setting them on fire. Around midnight, many moved into the courthouse where some reportedly set a fire and used spray paint while others could be seen breaking into a nearby government building, shattering glass doors and windows. Wow. That's a lot to break down. Nash, what do you got? That's a lot, dude. That's all in one. That's night one. Oh, this continues on to the next day and night two. And it's, oh as I know, it's still going on. I've seen so many videos the following day, people cleaning up, their businesses destroyed, never going to bounce back. You know, people have died alongside this. Like there's um, that big story going around that guy from Illinois, which is right across the border, about like maybe a 20 minute drive came in trying to disperse people. Two people ended up getting shot. A third person getting shot. A Trump supporter ended up getting shot. So more people are dying due to these riots. But Unbelievable. 
Nash, all, all of this violence just hours after the shooting. And some people, uh, I think some people are actually trying to justify it. There was an article by like MSNBC, uh, someone wrote an op-ed saying the argument for rioting and public damage, which to me, there is none. Uh, utterly absurd. Yeah. Especially because if you want some place to burn, an oil refinery and a car lot are probably your two best options of things <laughs> that are going to keep on burning. That isn't that's beyond excessive. That that isn't that isn't a calculated uh, retaliation. That is, it's sort of like, what is the benefit to that? Especially when this whole situation is in such murky waters. Ah, oh, God, that, that makes me mad. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> like, what is the logic? You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, like, this guy was, was to them, brutally murdered. Oh, you know, let's go burn down this car, this car dealership and cause more unrest and violence and have more shots fired and just, like, I, re- I respect the protester who's peaceful. I respect the heck out of them. You know, I respect that, that you're standing up for something you believe. You don't have to do it. You could go to work, continue by your day. Just, okay, yeah, I have the thought cross your mind. Like, yeah, I believe that Black Lives Matter. I believe all this other stuff. But, like, I, I respect a, a peaceful protester. But, yeah. I mean, the violent protest, that like like you just said, that makes me, like, like no. Like, you know what I'm saying? No, I I entirely understand that because it, it isn't – it isn't justified. There isn't. It, there's. It doesn't help anybody's cause. It it just right. makes more chaos. And I don't want to say mountains out of molehills because it isn't that. It's something far worse. And yes, a, a man you know was shot seven times with it, and that is not a good situation ever. No matter who the person is, whether they're a criminal or not, you know, whether they're multiple homicides or whatever, taking a human life is a pretty major thing but here you have retaliation that's so just, aggressively worse it's than just the, that bad that happened just as bad yeah that is ruining someone's business like i saw a thing where this guy's like entire entire building was burnt down and like he lost his business yeah you know people that's people crazy. people also say businesses cars they're replaceable Lives aren't. People aren't. And Aiton, I want to know what you think about that. Right. I've heard that also. And that's a that's one of their biggest arguments. You know, they well, they think that because because this happened, like you can replace your business. Well, I don't think you can. You know, a lot of people are can't reopen, you know, if their whole um, inventory or whatever was burnt down. But still, you know, I just think that josh is like respecting the um the peaceful protests and i think these these um riots are overshadowing them you know there are hundreds i don't know if you've seen videos but there are hundreds of peaceful protests you know mm-hmm. obviously the riots are definitely not okay at all but i think we should also like focus on that there are actually people that are peacefully protesting this and think that you know um that Things should be done, you know, to prevent this. The biggest peaceful protest I want to point out, um, along with during the day, you know, people marching in the streets, having their signs, walking on, making their chance, no violence, none of that. During the day, a hundred percent commendable. I stand with you. I support you. But the NBA, the MLB, the NHL, they said the Milwaukee Bucks were like, you know what? We're not playing our games. We're not playing our playoff game, playoffs, let alone in protest. Now. Whether or not, because I may not 100% agree with what they're saying while they're protesting, like this is a cold-blooded murder, all that. But it's peaceful. But it's peaceful, right? I may not agree with what they are saying, but I stand up, I applaud, I commend them for standing up for something they believe in. And if they don't want to play, don't play. That is an amazing way to protest. I think it's going to be effective. Because it's like, listen. Sports in a time like this is a way to escape. It's a way to distract you. It's a way to enjoy something and just shut your mind off from the chaos of the world. And they're saying, no, you pay attention to this whether you want to or not. 
Don't use us as an escape. So my hat is off to the NBA, the MLB for postponing games. Now, play has resumed, but the message still stands. And that, exactly, message, yeah. that message is more powerful than a car lot you burnt to the ground and businesses you ruined. And that's like, it speaks to a matter of logistics from, from my perspective. Like if I, if any part of a group that, you know, I, you could define me as, if I felt that there was a systematic oppression towards that, of course I'd be burning down the police precincts. Of course I'd be fighting up in arms with that system. But here it doesn't, it's not clear cut. And even with further evidence, I don't think it's going to make it, it might make it more or less clear cut, but it's still so much gray area that how does burning down the car lot help anybody? Yeah, it's it's like the classic thing. Like I'm about to sound like that, like that guy, but like two wrongs don't make a right. Yeah, you know ex- exactly. This isn't it isn't constructive. And if it's a means to get attention, this isn't the attention that anybody or yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not helpful to anything it's just sort of i don't yeah. I know it's 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 destructive physically yeah. physically metaphorically symbolically right because yeah. these people are cha- looting and breaking these stuff and vandalizing while chanting black lives matter they're doing that and right and you want someone to join in your cause that is going to deter people from your message. In a Palm and Nash, we've spoken with some before, Black Lives Matter has no centralized leadership, so they can't even say we condone that, right? So when they do this, they get lumped in with the entirety of Black Lives Matter, and people saying Black Lives Matter should be a, a, a terrorist organization kind of has some water to it. Whereas, no, uh, whereas no, that's a... If that's they, a very good point. Yeah, whereas if they had a leadership, they could say, no, that's not us. We denounce them. They are not a part of our group. That conversation goes away. Yeah. Eton seems like, uh, like, he, like he likes that statement. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's, they have – they. it's true. I don't know if they're terrorists. I wouldn't go that far either. But people. But the fact yeah. that people are having a conversation and even bringing it up one is absurd, but two, the fact that it's even being listened to, it's just like you gotta take a step back and go, okay, what are we doing? Right? Say yeah. say President Trump came out tomorrow and said, Listen, there's a lot he's never gonna do this, but say hypothetically in a perfect world he did. He said, Listen, I wanna sit down with the leader of Black Lives Matter. I wanna figure this out. What can we do to stop police brutality? Who would they send? Right. That, that's a good point. Right? They can't send anybody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's something we've brought up before. That's kind of why we're hitting it hard because th- there is no retaliation to this. There is no nobody can sort of stand up within that community and speak out against it because then you can be outed that by that community immediately. Mm-hmm. And it's like if that is the central focus point of your movement it's not a very good one because anybody can take hold of it. It's essentially the loudest megaphone wins. Yeah. Uh, that type of organization. Well, it's an entire lack of organization. Yeah. Like you have had, right. you have had people who support this movement saying, Hey, we're peaceful. We want reform or even defund the police. We want to abolish the police. You know what? Fine. It's, you can say that as long as you're not burning stuff. Right. And then you have the other half just destroying stuff and together they're <clears> one. <throat> that is an issue. And when you and you get lumped together, there's no clear directions, no clear anything, and that it hurts the movement so much. And it's gonna be stuff like that where people are gonna say, you know what? I'm not voting Democrat because Democrats, you're not gonna Trump supporters are not out there <laughs> looting, destroying the city. They're not. They're just not. They might be out there trying to make sure people aren't destroying the city. They might be out there causing more violence. They might even be inciting violence. But they're not out there burning buildings, chanting "Black Lives Matter." That those are Democrats. I don't want to make it political, but that's just that's just a, a stone cold fact. That's a yeah, right. That's yeah, a tough one to swallow. I know. I hate saying. Yeah, I hate. I hate saying it. Believe me, I hate saying it. 
Because I'm not right wing, I swear. Um, but let's go on. Let's go on to the next day. The last thing I want to kind of touch upon before we close out the show. Oh my god, that was just day one. That was day I one. Forgot. So the oh, next day, oh. last Monday, the protests continued, and Governor Tony Evers announced that the National Guard had arrived in the city to help local authorities deal with the unrest. He did not say how long they would stay for. Kenosha County also set curfew starting at 8 p.m. Monday, ending at 7 a.m. Tuesday. So reportedly, demonstrators started peacefully protesting Monday evening with a crowd of several hundred people gathering outside the courthouse. However, this is very important here. As soon as the curfew neared, riot police showed up and the protesters became more and more agitated, began throwing water bottles at the police, setting off firecrackers, starting fires, and all the chaos started all over again. Now, I understand there's a curfew. I understand it's like that you got to make sure the civil unrest doesn't happen. But as soon as the police showed up, that's when it started. Now, who's to say if they never showed up, nothing would have happened? I think that's a valid point to make. I think a lot less would have happened. Right? That's even something to right? consider. Well, especially yeah. if they went, if they, I understand there's a curfew. But like, listen, if they're peaceful, not doing anything, don't enforce the curfew until it gets violent. Kind of disagree. All right, Josh, throw it out. Go me. for it. Go for it. <laughs> because I feel like I feel like a a large group of people who who in your your city is already in unrest. I feel like what what kind of police officers would they be if they just let a huge large gathering? You know what I'm saying? That that could potentially go go violent. I feel like I feel like um better better prepare than have the violence out uh, break out and you're just screwed. All right, but well, I'm gonna push back. What if the preparation one causes violence and two right. there wasn't violence there to begin with? I understand the idea of being prepared for the violence, but don't act until the violence is there. And it's the fact of you being there is gonna cause violence. You know, yeah, it's, like, but, it's like it's like fire. It's like the fire department showing up to a fire that hasn't started yet. Mm-hmm, yeah, exactly. but that that's two different things because a large group of people can easily in a city that is unrest yeah. can easily yeah. turn violent very very quickly. Yeah, in a that's, in a state of emergency, yes, you are one hundred percent correct. But there's a difference between a threat of violence and actual violence. Right. Yeah, but I feel like, in my opinion, at least, rather be prepared. But I get what you're saying, though. Yeah. Like, they're causing violence, but... And that's, and that's exactly yeah. why they were there. So you are 100% right. That's exactly why they were there. But Nash, Nash I want to see who's right here. <laughs> Nash, break it down. I mean, you're both making some pretty good arguments. That's, that's hard to... It's hard to know sort of what is the best option in that yeah. type of situation. Because there are very many options that you can take when this sort of things happens and the most immediate seems to be boots on the ground, send people in and see, this is kind of why I I disagree with you a little bit. William is that there already was an aggressive amount of unrest. Mm -hmm. People had already died from it. Mm -hmm. A lot of damage had already been done and they established a curfew to desensitize people from continuing that. Mm -hmm. It did it. People, Sorry to cut you off. But oh, people, go for it. Hop in, man. People only died is is because um like the sixteen year old. We're not going to go fully into it, but people only died because pe- people who decided to take matters into their own hands. They started showing up with their big guns and whatever, exactly. and tried to disperse everyone. And and yeah, they ended up shooting people. That's the point. <laughs> Thanks for proving my point. <laughs> They can, so so then what, what? the police are going to stand on the side and watch? What the anti-protesters are shooting up the protesters? Yeah, well, that's so why, then that's what, why you the send in the police. Yeah, well, that's yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the bat, but the rioting only starts when the police start moving in and throwing tear gas at them. Yeah, right. Like if if, if the police come in and gay, all right, eight o'clock, everyone go home. What do you think the protesters are going to do? All right, let's start breaking everything. Screw it. Right? Well, I suppose if they just weren't there, it could have been peaceful throughout the whole night. There could have been drum circles. You know, there could have been a, a bunch well, of different no, things going on. You're right. You're right. It, it could have. It could have, people, but you don't know. It could have. It very well could yeah, have. But three people, people, like, got shot the day before. I mean, like... Well, yeah. I don't know. It... It started though. It mainly started. It got worse when the police showed up. You know, that's what. That's all. Like, that's like the proof. You know. 
Yeah, but if they were to stand and stand the station and be like on standby, they've been doing then until they, they wouldn't be doing their job. But until sorry, y'all, but until eight o'clock, that's what they've been doing. On standby while they were in the streets and whatever until curfew they were on standby only when the uh, um executive I mean whatever national emergency um stepped in and said you have to go home and that's when they came out. Yeah, Josh, what do you got? What do you got to that? <laughs> because these are these are two these are incredibly good points on both ends. And I, and I want to think these are conversations like the governor and the mayor are having. Like, okay. What do we do? Because in reality, like the, like the kind of conundrum we're having, there is no right answer, right? Like there is there is no way one way or the other to know what the right thing to do is until you've already done it. Exactly. And you can never know 100% what the right answer was because we can't go back and recreate that. You can only assume. Yeah. But that's sort of why I lean towards it made more sense to put them there because of what had happened in one day. Yeah. I, mean, I understand why they're there. I'm just, I was just playing devil's advocate and saying, Hey, Oh, you're doing that too. Yeah. I was, <laughs> I was doing that too, man. Hey, I pick up a thing from you hosting it 56 weeks with you. All right, guys, any closing thoughts before we wrap this stuff up with the whole, uh, either TikTok or, um, the, the whole Kenosha story. So Josh, I'll start off with you. Um, I mean, not like that much. Like we were just saying, I I don't really support like those violent protests. But like I said, also before, um, I salute those who are standing up for social inequality. I and doing it peacefully, the right way. I think that that's the absolutely one hundred percent right thing to do. And it's a very difficult thing to do. You know, you could just you just okay, cool. Like I support the idea, but whatever. I'm gonna just continue my life. I don't need to go out and miss a whole day of work and stuff like that. I think that's a very strong thing to do and i mean regards from regarding about tiktok i mean there's not much we like we can't say i feel like it's just we're gonna we're gonna see we're gonna see what's happening we're gonna see what's happening if um microsoft will buy it will will tiktok get banned will the executive order not happen i mean there's a million outcomes that could that could um happen yeah hey tom what you got um so one thing i want to say about um jacob blake is that it's not really the fact that he had war like this obviously plays a factor but what they're trying to put light on is not the fact that he had warrants or he's trying to break up the fight or he's part of the fight or he was reaching his tar to get a gun to kill all the officers whatever the point is that he was shot seven times at a point blank range you know and the officers that was like the first thing they came to and like that's what people i feel like are trying to put light on is that the something that is wrong is that the officers when they see a a black man i don't even know if it's a black man but just see that's what they're saying is that if they see them like reaching into the car the first thing you do is reach down and grab their gun you know and they're trying to say that that's something we have to change Mm -hmm. nash take us home oh man i mean i just wanted to thank both of y'all for coming on that takes a lot of guts i'm glad to see you know because we've handled very difficult topics on this show. It's simply not a cakewalk for either of us. Um, it really is a pretty big thing. A lot of gray area in what we talked about today. Um, and I guess I, you know, I, I can't really can't thank you guys enough because to talk about stuff like this definitely isn't easy. I'm glad you got to say your opinions on it. And that's, I think that's a really rare thing nowadays to be able to just sort of publicly say how you feel about something as it's happening. And I'm glad that we all said we don't know enough times because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, for both of these cases, we don't know. Yeah, I mean, thank you guys so much for having us on your show. Yeah, thank you so much. Oh, yeah, this, this has been a blast. All right, guys, that'll wrap it up for another episode of the You Mad Bro Podcast, episode number 56. Hey, we don't know. We just don't, we just don't know. A big thank you to both Josh and Aton of the Younger Half Podcast. Josh, where can they find you guys? Where can they check you out? Do all your social plugs, Instagram, Facebook, whatever you got. Lay them all out there for the people. Yeah, we're, we're basically all over on Instagram, at the Younger Half, Facebook also. Uh, Twitter. Um, I mean, yeah. 
All right, definitely, guys. And while you're checking them out, them out make sure you check us out at UMadRealPod on Facebook and Instagram. AmbiguousPodcastSolutions.com is the main hub for this podcast and all the other podcasts on this great network, Daily Grind, um, the uh, Sample Cell Podcast, all the wrestling, Red Oak Radio, Point of Kings of the Rings, Game Game Podcast, all the rest, yada, yada, yada. I'm Will Tarashuk. That's Nash Moore. Guys, thank you again. You guys give me hope and praise that the younger generation is doing something right. I hope there's more people out there like you who think like you and act like you. Keep podcasting. I'm so happy you guys are so young in the game, doing the grind. We'll be back next week as long as you stay angry.